People go, I love being a service provider. I'm like, that's great. That's, that's not who we're you. coaching. That's You're not for us then. And that's okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser. Where we teach you to salon differently. After years of searching, we finally found a software that does it all. Introducing Aura Salonware. With Aura, you have the simple tools to streamline your business, such as a card on file, settings for hourly pricing, and even station sharing options. Implement communication boundaries with clients by interacting directly through Aura. Finally, a software that takes your business as seriously as you do. If you're interested in this type of profit maximization, visit aurasalonware.com DTH to receive special discounts and promos. As a hairdresser, I know the struggle of managing your back bar, and that's where our friends at Salon Scale come to play. While you weigh your products with their app, Salon Scale automatically tracks your products used, making inventory management a breeze. Not to mention they also save your formula. They are a digital solution for back bar management, and they really make it easy. You know we're both big on knowing your numbers, and Salon Scale does just that. Visit salonskill.com slash DTH and use the code DTH10 at checkout for 10% off your first year. I don't really know how to start this conversation. Let's just get into it. It was never about the hair. People get really upset when we talk about this. And that's okay. (laughs) I would get upset too. You know, I got into this industry because I didn't want to work a summer job. I wish people would tell the truth more about why we got into this industry because the bullshit answer we get all the time is just wanted to help people. And do you want to know why I know it's bullshit? Because you and I taught at a school for years mm-hmm. and no one people got into People wanted it. new careers. People yeah. wanted jobs. It looked like a fun job. They wanted to make money. It's a sustainable industry. It's one of the most expensive industries. It's one of the oldest industries. Yeah, it's a good fucking job. And I do love doing hair. I really do. Mm-hmm. I love doing hair. I love my clients. I love being a hairdresser. I But when people say that's the main reason, it it grinds my gears because it's okay to say, I want to be successful. I want to make money. I want to have influence. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be, you know, um, life-changing in the industry. I wanted to be, you know, like, why aren't we telling the truth? I wanted to not work a summer job. And then I wanted to be, I wanted to be needed and necessary in Aww, people's I love lives. That. And I feel like hair was a way of like, I can do something that you can't. Uh, I started doing hair because I was 21 years old, fresh out of the party scene. I was screwing up my life. My mom was a hairdresser. I dropped out of nursing school and I was like, well, I got to do something. And I went to hair school thinking that it would just be a craft that I would learn to do hair on the side for like cash. And it completely transformed my life. I met a lot when I was an educator. I met a lot of people that if you ask them why they wanted to do hair, um, a lot of them were like, I didn't really have another option. Yeah. Heard that. Um, it was cheap. I got a lot. Like for cheaper. Like my mom's generation, like uh, it was more affordable. Yeah. You know, and then the the brand started to take over and create schools. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I spent like $25,000 to go to school and it's probably doubled now. A lot of single a lot moms. Of, a lot of single moms. A lot of new moms. And this industry gives freedom. A lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was there were a lot of reasons beyond hair that people, you know, chose this career. I, sorry, my nose is so itchy today. It's okay. Everybody, please enjoy David picking his nose. Yeah. But I, 
I remember I didn't want to work at summer job. Then I realized like I had a talent that people want, like they liked. Yeah. Then you start to realize, oh, maybe I'm pretty good at this. Then I was like, yeah. And then I was like, it's a good moment. I'm good at this. I remember being in school and I don't know about everyone else, but I didn't know how to cut layers. So I made up my own. Oh, I used to do shit like that all the time. <laughs> and I, remember, I would be like, this is I'm all- safe by that waiver. I can just play. And I think only hairdressers are going to get this. So when I was younger and I saw layers in hair and how they fell, mm-hmm. it, and they kind of like swooshed. If, you, if you're not Please watching watch the, the video, video. <laughs> they, they kind of like swooshed in, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't realize that you pulled the hair out and you cut it. Obviously, I wasn't in school yet. Yeah. I didn't realize you just directed the hair a different way, cut it, and Over direction, yeah. yeah. I thought you had to like hand carve each layer. intricate. It was, I love the way that I did it. It's not sustainable. Actually, now I feel like that kind of craft in hair cutting is happening. Well, it's more like what you would do with a razor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you'd scoop the hair out, Mm -hmm. essentially. So I was doing that. I was like, yeah, the, like this hair falls like this. So I just cut it in place, never picking it up, just cutting Hoping it. Hoping that they would style the hair exactly as yeah, is. And I, and I just remember like how, because I started <laughs> doing hair on my own and like making mistakes, when I went to school, I had already made the mistakes. Yeah. There was a sense of fearlessness probably. Yeah. And so when I went to school, I was like, I already know how to do it wrong. <laughs> so then your wrong probably made sense when you learned how to do yeah, it. Yeah, all the wrong made sense. So when it comes to like learning hair, I'm a back I and actually when it comes to learning anything, I have to learn the I have to learn backwards. Same. I have to do it. I have to mess it up mm-hmm. and then I can learn to do it. Yeah. Um and even with non-technical, even with business, even yeah. with like you and I are so, and our team is very aware of that. Like we try things all the time. We're like, we're going to try this. I want to try it. It's either going to be great or and then horrible. I wanna, and then I'll learn from it and then I'll do it right the second time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then I didn't really fall in love with doing hair until I got my first paycheck. Yeah. It It was like, I got my first paycheck and it, there was something really... It was, I think it's different than an office job because I didn't get paid for the time. Mm-mm. I got paid for the service. Yeah. And I think it made me realize like, oh, I'm I'm doing some... Like I'm... They're paying me for something they can't do. Yeah. Whereas an office job, I get... You're getting paid just to either sit there to, you know, input data or whatever. We technically don't get paid until we physically do something. Exactly. And... And I, I think I felt really like an artist getting paid for their work. And I, that's when I started taking myself seriously. That's it wasn't, so interesting. But it wasn't like the hair that I was excited about. It was like, oh, I got paid for my craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I, I... I feel like I was the opposite. Like when I first started, I'm a little bit of an overachiever. <laughs> and I like to create games out of life tasks. So in my head, I was constantly looking at money. Not being successful wasn't the option. I knew from the minute I walked into a salon that I was going to be the best stylist there and I would not stop till I got there. And so I was achieving those goals, but it wasn't about the art. Like I was loving doing hair and being able to achieve those financial successes while doing hair, but I don't think I really felt like an artist and really enjoyed the art of hair till I started going to Fashion Week. 
which is a whole nother bullshit yeah. thing in a way. But like when you, <laughs> it was worth it. And I do suggest everyone at least do a fashion week, um, even if you don't get paid. And I hate to say that. Even if. But don't, yeah, you won't, you get, won't paid, get paid. But don't continue to do it if you're not going to get paid. Like don't try to make a career out of it because it's not sustainable. Um, but when I started to do fashion week and I then I moved to New York and I started doing more set work and I started to you know, you and I were collaborating on photo shoots and we were doing hair shows. That's when I truly started to feel like an artist and create and tell a story. That part was like, you know, it was so fun. My favorite was working with fashion designers and doing lookbooks. I love a fucking lookbook. And, it, and a because lot of people they hate give it. you so much um, creative freedom again because they don't know. They're if like, they don't know. They're don't like, know. this is the freaking story we're telling as a brand. Now you emphasize that story via hair. And now a word from our sponsors. We have partnered with Hair Story, a product line that is good for our clients, our planet, and our bank account. Have you heard of New Wash? It's like a shampoo, but actually good for your hair. New Wash is a cleansing cream that cleans and conditions without the harsh foams and damaging detergents found in traditional shampoos. Hair Story does things differently, creating more conscious options that respect the environment and your hair ecosystem. Ready to try New Wash for free? Visit hairstory.com slash DTH to get pro access today. I remember we used to work with a company called Hot Hippie. Oh, yeah. And that was fun. We went to the desert to do, it was like a, it was a, it, it looked wasn't like a the desert. desert. It looked like a desert. It, was, like it a, was actually a sand pit. Yeah. In New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, if you zoom in, it, you look like you're in the Sahara. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. And there was lakes. Yeah. It, it, was, was, it was really great. beautiful. It was great. But I just remember being like, my mentality before kind of working outside of the salon was service provider, right? Yeah. Like, what do you what do you want? So to jump into a world where they're like, we don't know what it should look like. We don't know. This is the vibe. Mm -hmm. But like, we're looking we, to you. Exactly. It gave us the hairdresser that power. I think we took a lot of those experiences into this company and are now like trying to remind hairstylists that like, that's where we start because a lot of the artistry has been lost through service business yeah. and be, being a service provider. And yes, we are providing a service. Like don't come in the fucking comments I'm not. at me. But like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the reality is they're paying for your artistry. They're paying for your talent. And that's all that fucking matters. The and minute, you need to hold on to that. The minute someone, the minute you ask someone, what are you looking for today? <sighs> or what are we doing today? If they today? even say to me, a partial foil, I'm going to be like, I'm not doing that. But it, the, minute you, the minute you ask that question, you're a service provider. Yeah. The minute a waitress or a waiter, is waitress a word anymore? Or we just say waiter? You know what? I don't know. I don't either. I'm sure some will, I'm sure many people will tell us in the DMs. Uh, I, like even someone who works at a restaurant who's taking your order, the minute they ask what they can get you, it the, the energy is, I am here to help you. I am a service provider. And you're the, you're the you're client. calling the shots. Yeah, hairdressers have done that. Started doing that. Yeah. Guess who created that? I mean, restaurants and <laughs> retail companies. Yeah. Retail. Well, com a lot of people that invested into our industry also own restaurants or mm -hmm. situations like that because they're very profitable, and or businesses like that, not situations, and they're very profitable. So a lot of that came into our business, which was being a service provider, but. We like to say at DTH, when we talk to our students about um, doing consultation, don't ask what we're doing today. Never ask that question. Ask how you want to feel 
How do, how does your client want to feel when they leave? Like, what are they experiencing in their life? We know what to create out of that. We know they're... Then start talking about their life. Like, do you work out? Do you have kids? Do you have... A, then start doing those things because yeah. it's not them sitting there stating, I want this service that I think I want and I'm, I'm looking at this picture that I want to look like and I think I know how to get there. You are the only one that knows how to get there. So even if they start to say that, be like, okay, let's not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about you. Let's look at some imagery. Let's Let's do all those things. I love doing my consultations like that because... First off, a lot of clients haven't experienced that. And, you know, I sit for my consultations and like to like really get in there and talk to my clients. And then it like becomes a whole story that I'm telling and creating through their hair. And I love that. But you're both having like an emotional experience. You're having a kind of a spiritual experience. For sure. But if you're like, what do you want to do today? Yeah. It's It's like, like do you want the number four? Do you want the number three? Do you want it super sized? sized? That's what the conditioning treatment. Exactly. Do you want an extra large <laughs> Coke? If you buy this, you can have two double cheeseburgers for free. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> and people get really mad when we say that. And it's just like... People go, I love being a service fighter. I'm like, that's great. That's, that's not who we're you. coaching. That's You're not for us then. And that's okay. But, I wouldn't call an artist who is commissioned for their work a service provider. Oh my and God. They're... It's like consulting. If you... Oh. I'm out of coffee. <laughs> Sorry, that's audible. Sid just grabbed her cup and was like, oh shit, we have six more minutes before Great. I can get more coffee. <laughs> but it's true. I think, you know, like I love collecting art, especially like uh, from artists in New York on like on the street. On the street, yeah. Yeah, there's some people Those that are, are just favorite. really cool. Um, but I don't sit there and think, make this for me. No. Or I think, oh my God, you made this. I want I I want to buy it from you. And a lot of times I'll pay whatever they'll whatever they say because yeah. I what I love about it is the work they put into it, the story behind it, the energy behind it. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. But we minimize it and we were told to minimize it. And then we were in through the industrial revolution that we industrialize our industry by making it kind of factory. Like Okay, what do you want? Okay, get, go as fast as you can. Double well, book. I will say, um, I don't know if anybody watched that movie. It, I think it's called Founder. It's with Batman. What's his name? The OG Batman. What's his name? He played Beetlejuice. What's his name? I don't know. What's his name? The guy that played Batman? He was Batman. He was Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. Michael oh. Keaton. Thank you. Did you have to Google that, or did you know that off the top of your head? Uh, no. Yeah, we knew it off the top of our head. No, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So anyways, <laughs> he's the guy in the movie, and he creates a bird. It's like the the back of McDonald's. It's really skeezy and fucked up, too, but... The Wait, part- it's a documentary? No, it was a real movie. It's called The Founder, and it's like kind of about the history of McDonald's in the 50s and how, oh, oh. how they learned to make burgers really freaking fast. Got and it. there's a streamlined system, and it's so cool. And at that time, because you were talking about the Industrial Revolution, at that time... It spread like that kind of mentality of, oh my God, we can do things more efficient, speedier, faster. We can have things quicker. And, you know, the microwave was born. The It wasn't yet cheaper. It wasn't yet cheaper. It was just faster. It was just faster. Like, then we started to create appliances that were making our, like, the 50s were so incredible because they were creating such 
they were so inventive yeah. and just such weird things. I mean, it's it, like us now with AI. Yeah, like even, oh, we can use this for this. Looking at like salon, some of those old school salon um, tools that they would use, like the big, really elaborate, you know, like yeah. So they were really creative and um, just imagine it. They had a big imagination. So what's cool about that is that what's cool and not cool is that that happened and it bled into our industry of all of a sudden people want to get cut and then like all of a sudden like super cuts were born and all of those things but but they never changed and no. now we're starting to see within the past 10 years people starting to shift back to artistry and slowing but down. personally not as fast as i'd like them to go <laughs> i also think slowing down i think people are craving that things slow down yeah especially after a global pandemic yeah i mean that was like that was beyond slowdown that was like yeah. full stop and I think we're getting to a point where hopefully we're helping our industry get to a point where everyone in our program who uses our methods works less almost half the time. Yeah. And makes more. More. Sometimes double it's the beautiful. amount. And the problem that we have is not that that it works. It's the emotional withdrawal that all of our students go through when they're like they I'm feel having like they're a hard time. Because they're slower. Having a hard time not working as much. I'm like, but your bank, your bank account is growing. Yeah. And they're like, I understand. <laughs> I understand it logically, but they're having a really hard time. They're like mourning the way that they the burnout. Have, the burnout, which is addicting. People get addicted to the chaos, the hustle and bustle, the movement, the go go go. And what's funny is it gives people purpose. The salon owners that we work with, we get them to a point where they don't even have to work behind the chair anymore. And they're like, I'm bored. And they go, and they don't know who they are. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And, they don't and that know. opens up a can of worms because then they start just exploring like who they are and what they want to be and what they want to invest their time in. And next thing you know, they're doing art and pottery and they're creating podcasts and they're doing all these fun projects. Student, I love her so much. She, we got her to a really great place. Uh, where she didn't really have to be there. And what we find actually is once the salon owner doesn't have to be there, they actually need to get out of there because mm. they start to cause problems. Um, because they they don't know what to do with themselves, so they kind of create chaos to fix it. Yeah. So we actually have to get them out of the building and get them doing something else. And she went on a pilgrimage like for five weeks. What's that game we used to play as kids? That was like Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not, kind of. It's a walking pilgrimage. Okay. From Spain, I think from Spain oh to France. Oh my God, yes. The Camino, like. And it was like a Cam month, right? It was five weeks. So she walked from Spain to France or France to Spain. I, I, I don't know the details. Um, and you're walking with other people, but you're, everyone's on this pilgrimage on their own path. So you're meeting new people and sometimes you stay one place longer and, and she came back a totally different person, and she was, and it Reformed, was like, yeah. She was like, I would never have done, yeah. I wouldn't if have done that even if her business wasn't leaveable, right? For five weeks, for five weeks, she didn't really contact her business. Came were, back with no, there was no issues, yeah, that weren't handled, yeah. And yes, the experience must have been amazing, but just the ability to go, oh, I can do that. It's okay. Yeah, feels wrong for most of us. There's a lot of guilt. Yeah, a lot of us think I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be working really hard. I'm supposed to be working all the time. I'm not busy. Like we have become so busy as a, an industry and as a society, but really as an industry, that when we start to slow down, our reactive system, our adrenal, our adrenal glands, like we don't, we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why when we, you know, the point of this was, it was never about the hair. It, the point of owning this career is not just to become a hairdresser and then do this thing where we become obsessed with hair and all I do is hang out with hairdressers and all I do is hair and all I do is hair education and mm-hmm. I'm going to be an educator. And I'm gonna do, like We get yeah. like really weird about our industry. Like It's not about that. It's about being an artist who actually gets paid and can have a real life. Fulfilling life. A, a fulfilling life inside the salon and more, more over, more so outside of the salon. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Oh, this whole idea of like, I'll wait till I'm older, I'll wait till next year, I'll wait till any waiting. Maybe just because how we grew up with our coach, like, there's no waiting. Mm-mm. There's no. only action. Mm-mm.